0: You're listening to Divorce Happy Hour, everything you want to know about divorce in New Jersey. I'm your host, Christina Previtt, a divorce lawyer for 15 years, the CEO and co-owner of New Jersey Divorce Solutions, Previtt-Knocklinger, located in Edison, New Jersey. My guest today is Donna. Donna was married for 17 years. She was actually my client. She's here to share some of her personal experience with the divorce process from the client's perspective. Anything that Donna expresses during the show today is her personal opinion and not the opinion of WCTC, or myself, or New Jersey Divorce Solutions. Welcome, Donna. Hello. How are you this fine day? I'm good. How are you? I'm good, and (laughs) I have to say that you were my client. You were divorced about a year ago, almost to the day. Right. A little more than a year. A little more than a year. Yes. But your divorce process, actually, was it four
1: years Um, the process was, well, I filed in August of 2013 and was divorced October 2018.
0: Wow. So almost roughly around five years. Correct. That's a long time. Very long time. I always say the average divorce is about a year. Some are shorter, some are longer. Right. Yours was one of those every time I'd have to go to court, the judge would say, you know, this this is the oldest case on my list, right? Uh, Yeah. So, um, but anyway, you got through it. Yes, unbelievably. (laughs) And I do remember saying something to you um, at different times is that, you know, this will be better when it's done. It won't always feel like this.
1: Yes. And I did not believe you at all.
0: You didn't. (laughs) But I'm glad to, I'm glad that I turned out to be right.
1: Yes, you were. You were correct.
0: I'm glad because I wouldn't have wanted to be wrong about that. So this is I just want people to know this is not intended to be any kind of man bashing episode or, uh, (laughs) you know, spouse bashing. It's really just to get your perspective as a client and as a litigant in a divorce, because I can sit here all day and talk law at people. And I think some of that information is valuable, but. At the end of the day, I'm not the one that's going through it as a litigant, as as the person who's getting a divorce, and my experience with the hundreds of divorces that I've done are just very different. So thanks for coming on and being willing to share this story with other people. So to get started, i like to start in the beginning. Why did you get a divorce? Oh, boy. (laughs) Um,
1: Well, my ex-husband is a police officer. And there had always been rumors swirling that he was cheating on me. But there was never any proof. Um, We would get along one minute and be at each other's throats the next. And this went on for years. Um, We just were not getting along. And then, you know, it was brought to my attention that he was having this affair with a married woman in our town
0: for several years behind my back. And did you find some objective proof of that?
1: Uh, Well, it turns out that her former best friend told her husband all this information, and then he's the one that actually told me.
0: Okay. And we don't want to get into all the dirty details. He didn't deny it. Oh, okay. He didn't deny it. So, I mean, at that point, did you just... It's hard to find out that there's been infidelity, and we've actually talked about this topic on the show before, and and have debates about whether people can get past infidelity. I think that's just a matter of personal opinion. Someone sometimes people say that they can, and they can work on that, and then other people, you know, that's their threshold. They, that if there's infidelity, that's it, we're done. Which one were you? Um, I absolutely would not
1: tolerate it. He knew how I felt about it. And whenever I would voice my concerns over I heard this or I heard that, he would make excuses, twist it all up and tell me I have no proof and then just, you know, walk out the door and move on with his day. So my feelings
0: really were not validated about it at all. So there came a point when... Uh, you 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 had to make a decision, all right, I'm not thinking about this anymore. It's time to just end this. What, what yes. was that for you? Well,
1: the way it all went down in my situation is uh, he left the home and was living with a friend um, and then very openly carrying on with his affair with his paramour, which is my favorite word, by the way.
0: Yes, I use that. I've used that in some settings. I had never really heard of it before
1: until I saw it in my own divorce papers. Oh, I might have been the one who used that. (laughs) So he was, you know, acting as if he was the happiest person in the world and I didn't exist. That must have been
0: hurtful. It was extremely
1: hurtful for me.
0: So um, something that I like to, to um, something that is interesting to me, and I never really get an answer. And maybe it's because there isn't an answer. Mm-hmm. But I, I have consultations with people, and they'll tell me all these terrible, unhappy stories. Mm-hmm. And then at the end of the consultation, they'll say, well, I still have to think about it. And I'm always sort of like scratching my head. Like, "Why? what do they have to think about? What is there to think about? So maybe maybe that's something I could ask you. Money money it it's really about that it's really about the
1: money i mean maybe if somebody has smaller children they're concerned about about that how am i going to do this by myself the kids are so young you know so but if the, if the kids are older and in high school and sort of on their way out the door it, it really comes down to money i mean they're afraid how you going. how are you going to pay the bills um what am i going to do especially somebody maybe that hasn't worked in 15 years, you know, it's terrifying. And, you know, you get legal bills and all kinds of things and it's just, where am I going to live? You know, so it's scary. It's extremely
0: scary. So then at some point the unhappiness has to become so strong that the money concerns I, I don't know which words I should pick. I want to say become less important. Not that they're not important, but it's almost, I call it a misery threshold, that mm-hmm. everybody has a misery threshold. And if you're below your misery threshold, then you kind of maintain status quo. And that could be anything. It could be a marriage. It could be a job you hate, whatever the situation. But once you hit your misery threshold, that's when you say, enough, I have to change something. So for you... It sounds like it was his moving out.
1: Um, For me, it was the humiliation of him carrying on with this affair very publicly at the time. He was absolutely proud of it. Um, Fifty years ago, you know, I would have been rewarded for sticking by his side and staying with him. Today, you know, what kind of a woman would I have been? Where's my self-esteem? Where's my self-respect to sit back and and let this go on? So I had to do it for me. I had to set an example for my daughters that this behavior, you cannot tolerate it. Um, So it was more out of self-salvation more than anything else that I needed
0: to do something. So what did you do at that point? Is that when you spoke to a lawyer? Well... One of my biggest problems was trying
1: to get money together for a retainer. The retainers are not cheap.
0: But you spoke to somebody first for a consultation, right? One of my
1: uh, girlfriends was also a lot of people I knew, ironically, were going through a divorce. Um, She recommended the firm that she was using. I gave them a call. They told me that the retainer was $5,000. And I'm thinking, oh, good luck with that. Um, nobody would give me the money for it. So I actually sold my engagement ring.
0: Wow. Okay. For the money. It's sort of symbolic. Right. What was important to you when you were talking to attorneys? How did you know that you had the right attorney?
1: I specifically was looking for a bulldog attorney.
0: I hear that a lot. What? Explain to me exactly what it is that you wanted in a bulldog. What is that? What does that mean to you? An attorney that's going to fight for
1: you. That is not going to let the adversary walk all over you. Um, An attorney that's not wimpy or timid. Yeah. So, I mean, that was important to me considering who my ex-husband was. I mean, he is a big guy. And he's a police officer and he can be extremely intimidating to you know if you don't really know him he's very intimidating Um, so I knew that I was going to need somebody that could stand up to him
0: and you had a couple of attorneys right
1: Um, I did retain that initial firm that my friend used um, and I thought I was gonna be really lucky to have them and then almost immediately they had pushed me on to an associate attorney that, I mean, just was not what I was looking for. Was very soft-spoken, a male, very soft-spoken, was terrified of my husband, to be honest.
0: So were you like, oh my God, I got to get out of here fast. (laughs) This isn't
1: going to work out. Right. But at that time, I didn't... I was learning, too. I didn't know anything about divorce. I had absolutely never been involved in anything legal or lawsuit. I didn't know how any of it worked, and it was never really explained to me. Yeah,
0: Yeah, that's something that I've been thinking about more recently is I don't know how good we are as attorneys at truly appreciating that when a client comes in, they don't know all this stuff. We do it all the time. We do it every day. We do it in our sleep. I think sometimes for us, it's hard for us to actually know how much detail do we have to give them? What, Where do we have to fill the gaps for them? And I'm, I'm working on that by talking to people like you to figure out what are the most important things that people want to know when they first come in and how can we make their experience better, not pleasant. I don't think there's a way to make a divorce pleasant, but how can we make that experience better? So... My suspicions have been confirmed that mm-hmm. you felt like you weren't really having things about the process explained to you.
1: Right. So I guess maybe what you can do is ask a new client, have you ever been involved or party to a lawsuit before? Because in reality, it works almost, well, not the same way, but very similar where it starts with the complaint and then, you know, the motions and litigation. Right. So if somebody's never been through that, then they're going to need a little hand-holding and you need to explain the steps more or less. So um, that might be helpful.
0: I think, too, what sometimes we forget as attorneys is that um, sometimes people will not feel comfortable saying, I don't really understand that. I try not to use a lot of legal jargon Mm -hmm. legal mumbo-jumbo but sometimes there's legal words you have to use them there's no way to avoid it and i think i i try to ask people do you understand that in a way that's not offensive to them i don't want them to think i'm treating them like they're stupid but if they don't do litigation if they haven't been involved in a lawsuit and sometimes if they're not educated sometimes that can be a barrier and i I always try to make them feel comfortable saying, I don't know what you're talking about. Did you feel comfortable saying to your attorneys when you didn't understand or asking them questions? Or is that kind of intimidating?
1: I just figured that they were going to handle it. I wouldn't really have to do a whole lot. And then the discovery process started. And I was like, what? Five years of bank statements? I mean, I didn't know... It was very, very stressful because it was constantly, you need to get this and you need to get that and you need to send me copies of this and yeah. be, and all of the hearings. And that was a big, it was a big surprise to me. Were you sort of like,
0: why do you need all this? Was that your... Right.
1: I was like, what's the difference? I already told you what he makes. I already told you what I make. Why do we need to have all this?
0: So it might have been helpful if that was explained to you a little better.
1: Yeah, right. Okay. It was just more that the court ordered it sort of thing.
0: Yeah. Okay. That's good to know. Um, and then what did you feel like was the good side of having an attorney? What What gave you at least some sense of comfort having an attorney involved?
1: Before or after you represented me.
0: Aw, thank you. I appreciate that. Well, before, I guess. Um,
1: I just remember on the days that we had hearings or had to be in court, I would be an absolute nervous wreck. I mean shaking um, because I was terrified.
0: Was it because you had to see him? Yes. So that was it. Yes. So and if I he knew- wasn't there, you wouldn't have been as nervous. Oh, I, I would
1: have been fine. But I was just, just out of my mind nervous, and I'm looking at the attorney that I now have thinking, well, how are you going to help me?
0: Yeah, that's, that so, can't be a good feeling. And
1: also, you know, when you go to court, it's, you know, there's the sheriff officers, and he knew them all. Oh, So no, I so felt like I was walking into the lion's den. He knew everybody there.
0: Hey, buddy. Hey, bro. So, and I'm like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean that's an interesting piece of your divorce right. that most other people don't have to experience. Mm-hmm. So then, what changed when you got me? I'm a bulldog. I'll admit it. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Um, you, you
1: just uh, you just went at him. You know, you weren't going to take any garbage. You were um, aggressive, but I mean, not mean or out of control or anything. I mean, you were just, no, that's not what we're going to do. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And you did have a very good way of speaking with um, his attorney to try to get to some sort of a settlement. And then I felt like, and I'm sure you did too, every time we would go home, all of a sudden, it's, no, 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 we're not going to do that,
0: even things we had agreed on when we were at the court. I think that's something a lot of people experience. Mm -hmm. They... They say yes to something, and I don't know why we could probably have a whole show on that. I think maybe it seems like a good idea at the time. Maybe some people have a hard time just saying no and saying what they want. So they might say, okay, fine, we'll do that. But when everyone's staring at them, but then later, it's, why did I say yes to that? I don't want to do that. You know, I felt pressure doing that. Right. Um, Or they just change their minds, right? Sometimes people just change their minds. Well, I think what
1: happens is they go home or wherever they're living at the time, and they start talking to yeah. their mother and their friend yes. and the girlfriend. And they what do you mean you can't do Why did you say that? And then all what they were so sure of just a day ago, now they're second-guessing everything. Because everybody else has to have an opinion.
0: Yes, that is true. And that is a very good point that happens a lot. Mm-hmm. I, and I would get that actually from my own clients often. Is well, I talked to my friend, and right. she works at Starbucks, and she said, right. <laughs> she said that alimony
1: amount is too low. Well, and the thing is, is that every divorce situation is different. Everybody's got different financials. They are married a different amount of years. They have a different amount of children. It's it's all different for everybody, yeah. and you can't compare one person's divorce to somebody else's divorce.
0: I'm so glad you're saying that because I've been telling clients that for years. And some people listen and they take that to heart, but then other people... Don't. You know, they want to know, well, my neighbor, she lives in a house that looks exactly like mine and has the same value and she's the same age and has the same job. And why did she get more of this and less of that? And it's it's, I always say that that's very dangerous to start comparing yourself to everybody else because it can mess with your head. It's Mm -hmm. it's hard for you to even figure out where can I land and be okay. and then start comparing yourself to everybody else. So that's a really good point. Um, and equitable distribution.
1: I mean, how do I know how many assets you have? How do I know that you don't have a vacation home in Maine? And or bigger just, savings. Right, I mean, so there's a lot of unknowns that these outside people who on the surface are trying to help. But they just yeah. don't know. They don't have the information.
0: Yeah, they probably have good intentions. Mm-hmm. Did you get a lot of that? Did you get a lot of people that would say, oh, this is what you should do or, you know, yes. make sure your attorney does X, Y, and Z? Yes and no. Um,
1: not for my family. I'm the only person in my entire family that's ever been divorced. Was that hard for you? Yes. Um, they couldn't relate to anything that I was going through. Because they didn't know anything about divorce at all.
0: Were they, did they support your decision or not?
1: Yes, but, you know, as far as maybe some phone calls, I had a court go, but I was I was by myself dealing yeah, with that it. That must
0: have been really isolating.
1: It was. And also, and the listeners should probably know this or could identify with this you don't realize how much you are talking about your divorce when you're talking to your friends, when you're talking to your family, when you're talking to anybody on the street and you can't help it. So because it's, if somebody says, Hey, how are you? What's new in your mind? The only thing that you can think about is the divorce. So you can either lie and say, Oh, I'm fine. I'm great. Or if you're going to be honest, you know, then you find yourself rambling on about your divorce. They're getting bored. And then ultimately they will tell you all you talk about is your divorce. Mm -hmm. And that really is crushing because that is the most important thing that's going on in your
0: life. It's a big thing. It is. It's like having a health issue too, mm-hmm. which I know you had as well. <laughs> yes, I did. So I'm glad that you told me that because I think that I've been guilty of that. I don't know that I ever said that to you because you were my client, <laughs> but I think I have been guilty of that with people that I know and and um, so thank you for that. I'm going to try to be better. <laughs> I'm going to try to be more compassionate. I had to
1: make a conscious, like I had to train myself to not talk about it. After a while, because I think I was just annoying everyone.
0: Well, I think what happens is sometimes you alienate people because they're like, "Oh God, here comes Donna!" Right? <laughs> you know, let's right. let's take a left turn here mm-hmm. so we don't have to talk to Donna. But, um, but I I understand what you're saying. We should be a little more compassionate about that because well, it's it's truly a traumatic experience. That is an understatement. It
1: was so traumatic. I mean. I think he contributed to my breast cancer. Um yeah, stress can, does a lot yes. to your body. <clears throat> it, it really, really does. Um, very, very traumatic. I don't know. I, I I don't think I will ever get over it. Um,
0: and when you say get over it, do you mean the end of the marriage? Just, just the vitriol that was part of the whole experience? Just... All of it. There, in in my
1: divorce, there were so many crazy things that occurred that were not your typical. That's true. Divorce things. That's true. Um, it's really my. I will look back on you know the bulk of my forties because I was forty when we were separated. I was just turned forty like a month before. So you have to figure... From, Which is sort of a turning point in your life. From 40 until almost 47, it was all about this divorce. And it was not happy times.
0: Yeah, so that's not a really a nice way to look back on no. your a decade, almost a decade of right. your entire life. Is that, that was the decade of the divorce. Right. But do you feel like you came out of it better? Yes. Okay, because that's something I always want. I like to stay in touch with my clients when everything's over and just see how they're doing. Do, do they have any regrets? Have they settled into a new normal? Do they feel like in some strange way maybe it was a blessing? I mean, how do you feel about all of that?
1: I feel, well, first of all, I got married at 23. So you were young. Uh, my husband was 26, I think. Maybe just turned, he had just turned 27. But we were, I, I mean, I can't even imagine one of my daughters being married right now because I have a 25-year-old and a 21-year-old. and They seem younger, right? I just can't even imagine them being married with kids and a job and a house and and every and a husband. And it, well, I don't even know how I did it, to be well, honest. Well, times
0: are different now. But do you think that you were more mature at 25 than your daughters are now? No. No. So you think it was about the same. So it was basically that No. Getting as a matter married. of
1: fact, my older daughter, I think that um, she's very mature. She, she has accomplished amazing things already um, and works in New York City. You know, she does – I would never would have considered working in New York City. I would be afraid to do that. Um, I do know for a fact that both my husband and I were too immature – to be married. What did we know about marriage? What did, We had no business being married.
0: Had you had an, a long-term relationship before or just with him?
1: No, I, I had had long-term relationships before.
0: Well, as long-term as it can be when you're at <laughs> that age. Right, a year
1: or two, you know. Yeah, um, but what do we know in our 20s? But once you start throwing in money and bills and... Stress. Yeah. That's what
0: it is, right? Stress. Kids
1: and crying babies at things like, you know... And plus, his work schedule did not help at all.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: It was very difficult.
0: Would you say that things were, how long were they good? I mean, there must have been a time when things were good and and you were happy. Um,
1: with us, it was either things were great or they were horrible. There was really no in between. As long, that's what I felt. It was one way or the other. We were screaming at each other or we were all lovey-dovey.
0: And looking back on things, do you think that the time the times when things were hard, do you think it would be, was because there was just a lot of stress at the time? I mean, what would you attribute it to as a, a more mature
1: woman um, now? Yes, I think it was a combination of several things. It was the stress um, I had my own business. I was taking my youngest with me most of the time. My older one was in elementary school, so I was taking a baby and toddler with me to work, um, running a business and the house and just just everything. I was very tired. He was my he was always tired because of his work schedule because it constantly was changing where he's on days and nights and, and whatnot. And I think that he really enjoyed Being away from the house and out there, you know, talking and socializing with whoever and flirting or whatever it may be. And then, you know, you come home to not, you know, just chaos going down. Yeah, (laughs) kids and responsibilities. right, Right. Yeah. Right. It's not fun. So it's more fun to be out and about and. Doing whatever you do.
0: Well, when would you say was the first time that you actually started thinking? You know, maybe, maybe we're not a good fit anymore. Did you ever think that, or was it the infidelity that really had you start? Well, this thinking? was not
1: the first infidelity. I mean, there was a, a situation back in uh, two thousand, I believe, um, where my youngest was one and a half, and I knew he was carrying on with a woman in our town, Um, but of course it was all denial. I could not prove it, Um, and at that time, you know, my kids were young. I don't know. I just I feel like I didn't have the nerve to get divorced. I mean, where would I go? What would I do? Who's going to help me with these kids? How how would I do it by myself? I'm not moving back
0: to my parents. Yeah. So, was there a little party that thought, "Well, maybe I'm wrong about the infidelity"? I was hoping, you know.
1: But every once in a while, you get that passive aggressive person that just loves to tell you, "Oh, I heard this, or I heard that, and so and so told me this." Yeah, or the trouble Not makers. even so and so. Somebody, the fictitious person with the information, told told me that they saw your husband with whoever and then you never have any concrete information.
0: Yeah, that's gotta be hard.
1: It is, and you're always just wondering, and you want to believe your spouse. You really, truly want to, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, well, there's gotta be something to this. Why would somebody just, out of the woodwork, come and alert me to something?
0: Yeah, and I think something we, we say sort of that I hear a lot out there that I think is actually very disrespectful is how could she not know, right? I mean, we've heard people say that. How could she not know that that was going on? And she must be just turning a blind eye. Isn't that what we hear? Oh, yeah. She's just allowing that. They probably have an arrangement. That's what people Oh, well, say. by
1: the way, I think I should mention, after I had filed and I was a few years into the divorce, somebody told me that he had... And telling everybody for years upon years that we had an open marriage. Wow. I had no idea. (laughs) Certainly. You're
0: like, well, that's news to me. I didn't
1: know that we had an open marriage. But he used this tactic so nobody would come and tell me anything. I was okay with it. Well, maybe it
0: was also for himself. I mean, I don't know if he was embarrassed by any of this. But to sort of give him a pass. So yeah. the people wouldn't look at him like, how can you do that to your wife? Uh,
1: I mean, from...
0: We don't need to psychoanalyze from him. From what but- I
1: gather, 99% of all of this was occurring while he was at work. Yeah. And his buddies, of course, were going to cover for him because, you know, they cover for each other. So yeah. uh, if he's working at midnight... How I'm, would you know? asleep at 3 o'clock in the morning. Should I just... Follow him while he's at work. Yeah.
0: I mean. So you felt like there was definitely a breakdown in the trust at some some point that wasn't repairable. Very early on. Very, very early on. Yeah. So I'm sorry about that. But you guys are. Well, I want to back up a little bit. Something I used to say to you guys, Mm -hmm. because at some point your husband was pro se. He was representing himself. Right. So I actually had to have a lot of interaction with him. And he wasn't always the easiest person to talk to, but then there were other times when he was, mm-hmm. and he was pleasant, mm-hmm. and we could all sit in a room together, and we could actually talk. And dare I say, sometimes it was almost a little fun because yeah. you guys, even still, I mean, from through the day you got divorced, I still sensed, you know, some strange chemistry between the two of you, uh-huh. and I always used to say, you guys have some sort of tension going on here i think there's a lot of passion well
1: they say what is it what's that saying that uh hate is the same emotion as love yes it's just on a different spectrum yeah so um i you know i've always loved my husband I, i still do on on some level um i wish all the time that this never happened because I should, you know, we should be getting ready to sell our house and retire soon. You know, he's, at that point in his career, we're young, you know, and we could be, you know, moving to Florida or something. Instead, it's like starting over.
0: <laughs> yeah. So. So at some point, you, you and I had talked about mm-hmm. it many times that and I would say, you know, maybe you guys could actually be friends when this is all over. And, you know, <laughs> he would just laugh I, yeah, <laughs> and just look at me like I was crazy. But I've, I've seen situations like yours, worse mm-hmm. than yours, where the people just, I don't know, maybe they just got exhausted. <laughs> they just got tired. And mm-hmm. they have children together. So they sort of, at some point, it was like a light bulb just went off. And they were just like, you know, we can't do this anymore. We need to just get along. Mm -hmm. I don't know what happened, but you told me that you guys are doing much better now. Yes. Would you say you're friends?
1: Um, Yes, I guess. I mean, I don't confide in him about, you know, my personal life and things like that. But I would say we're very amicable. We don't have any problems. We have nothing to fight about anymore. So you know what? That's a good point. Um. We do get along, you know, and I can, I told him last week, maybe it was two weeks ago, um, that I'm thankful for the divorce because he is 100% a better father because really? of it.
0: Really? Yes. That's good. Why do you think
1: that is? Because... When we were just, you know, married and living together, you know, he was very much about himself and doing things that he wanted. To, you know, he didn't really spend a whole lot of quality time. And then during the divorce, it's it starts out with, you know, the the spouse is trying to prove to the court that they're the parent of the year, more yes. or less. Look at me. I I go to all of the... Sporting events, and I take them here, and, I, and we went on vacation there, and they're just this ideal parent. Um, so, with that occurring in my own divorce, he really got to know his kids. And now that they're adults, they have a great relationship with him.
0: That's wonderful. He's
1: a much better parent now.
0: Do you think maybe it's just because they're older too? No, because when. This, not, not to throw any shade no, on them, but. This
1: started when um, well, my youngest was in eighth grade. And my oldest was a senior in high school. So, you know, there's been many years that it's it's been a lot better between him and my daughters because the relationship truthfully was a lot of whose book bag is this, clean your room, yeah. you know, barking orders types a deal. Where now he really he really gets to have a great relationship with both of his kids.
0: I remember when the divorce was happening and and it was a little bit of a struggle because, well, that's an understatement. <laughs> you He was saying things to the kids yes. that you didn't like. Mm-hmm. And, you know, then he would accuse you of saying things to the kids. And, you know, I think as happens in most divorces when the kids are teenagers, they sort of learn how to manipulate their parents <laughs> and manipulate the situation yes. to get things and... You know, I don't think your kids were an exception. Has that gone away? Are the kids more comfortable now that mom and dad are divorced? You know, I can love mom. I can love dad. There's not this sort of tug of war that's happening. Yes, absolutely. Um, But they're also older.
1: You know, whenever there's a situation where I see him, if he's, dropping them off because he took them out to dinner or something to that effect and I see him and if we're laughing about something or talking you know they actually get like nervous when they see you having fun yes wonder what that's because the thought of us getting back together is a no-go they're just absolutely not
0: how do you know did they tell you that oh yeah Oh, wow. Oh, that wouldn't yeah. have
1: occurred to me. Because they knew. They grew up in the house. They know how it gets.
0: They're, they, they want nothing to do with that. I think I actually <laughs> said to you guys one time, you know, I think you guys should just go to a therapist and try to work out the marriage. And let's be done with the divorce. (laughs) I think I actually said that to you one time. You guys just laughed at me. But I didn't hear a no. (laughs) You know, you
1: never know, right? Maybe when we're in our 70s, we'll uh, get back to you. You know
0: what? You know what? We have, um, we've had a a couple of clients. It doesn't happen often. It's rare. But we've had some clients that got married again to the same spouse. I can see that. It does happen. I can see that. Because, you
1: know. I'm not saying that that should, should be well, you. Because but. you work out all the kinks through the divorce. And I think that both parties really grow and mature because you really see, you know, what's at stake and what you can lose. And it's a real eye opener. And
0: you see people really at their worst.
1: You really do. Yes, you do. I mean, here you're thinking, this is the person that promised to love, honor, respect, sickness and health, richer and poorer, and he's trying to bury me. He hates me.
0: What um, do you think that was about? Is there, is, is there an explanation for that? Winning. It's winning.
1: Winning. Um, you know, I think a part of him would be embarrassed, you know, if he wasn't, quote unquote, winning, which in divorce, nobody wins. Nobody mm. wins. There's only different degrees of losing. That's it's it. so
0: true. It's so true.
1: And, you know, a good divorce settlement is when neither party is happy.
0: It's so true. And I know that I must have said that to you. You, you probably did. had heard it from other you people. You did. And it is true. Did you understand that at the time, though, when I said it? Or were you like, just lost her mind. No,
1: <laughs> I did, but I sort of was saying to myself, yeah, but you're supposed to be
0: on my side. We're supposed to win.
1: Yeah, I've heard that a few times. So, um, but did, it's, it is true.
0: Well, did you ever think that I wasn't on your side? And and I want you to be totally honest. Because it's more about how you were feeling about the situation. Because obviously you know now that I was always on your side.
1: Right. Um, I guess sometimes when, I mean... I would get very upset, as you know. And sometimes I would keep you on the phone for I don't even know how long. And then you would kind of like tell me to knock it off almost. <laughs> like, enough. This isn't helping anything. Um, and at those points, I'd be like, well, what does she know? You know, so I, well, I'm sorry if I like hurt that. your
0: feelings. <laughs> it was just me being
1: completely irrational. At least you were able to talk me <laughs> talk me off the ledge, I guess. Um,
0: well, you know, it's hard because I know that clients are going through something incredibly emotional. And I've gone to seminars where psychologists have spoken and, you know, they go into all the science of it, which I can't do. So I'll just sort of summarize how I understand it is that when you're in that mental space, your brain chemistry is just different. And when you're highly emotional because you're going through something traumatic, and you're, let's say you're in court Mm -hmm. and you have to listen to these unpleasant things and you're scared, your brain chemistry is actually different. You are, you actually don't have the capability of making a decision at that moment. But as the attorney who's supposed to be the unemotional one, making these intellectual decisions and getting input from you, mm-hmm. the client, and asking you to make decisions, you kind of come to a halt at many times in the process because how can you ask this person who's crying and... I never cry. Well, whoever, you know,
1: <laughs> or is angry. Is it's probably so angry. part of the problem is that I never cry.
0: Well, I mean, I'm, and I'm not necessarily talking about just you, but in general, how do you ask someone who's in that state to make a decision and how do you get them through this I think that's part of the reason sometimes it takes so long I think that men and women
1: have very different perspectives on marriage Um, a lot of times for a woman I know for me you know the end of the marriage is just the biggest failure you will ever have your dream is crashing It's embarrassing. It's humiliating, especially when you're adding in infidelity and then the smear campaign that your ex is telling everybody in town all of these lies about you trying to get people on his team. Um, you You really do feel like you've gone insane. And nothing. it feels like you're in an alternate universe or something. This is not my life. This is not my life. My life. I'm married. I have this house. I have these kids. This is my life. So when this is all going on, you just can't even believe that it's going on in the first place. And then when it never ends and it's just more attacks constantly under attack every day, it's something new. Did- that- did, I was afraid to open my email.
0: Yeah, I know, right? That feeling of dread in the morning, like, like
1: oh. dun, 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 dun. uh-oh, what's this w- now? Would you see my emails and go, oh, God. Wh- yeah, because- What does she want now? I knew what we were working on, so I'm thinking, why is she emailing me? That means they must have sent something. And wow. I would know, I, I re- open up the attachment and say, oh, God, and just read it, and then just get furious call you up
0: (laughs) so was your feeling when all this was going on was it like I just need to get this over as fast as possible because I always get that question why does this take so long when is it going to be over did you feel that
1: I was open to ending it at any having it be done at any time that he was going to start being reasonable but from day one there were problems. He was
0: evading the process server. So, at what <laughs> point did you feel like? Because everybody gets to a point where they're just like, "Uncle,
1: <laughs> this has to be over." I was not going to quit.
0: Yeah, I was I remember not going to Talking about that,
1: <laughs> there's no way I was going to quit until I got what I was legally entitled to, and. He Believe me, he tried everything, intimidation, bullying, smear campaign, everything and anything he tried, and I was not going to let him win. And I wasn't going to let him bully me into making a settlement arrangement that was unfair.
0: Well, I think that's good because sometimes what I do see is someone who's intimidated, and it's not always the woman. I think more often it's the woman, but it's not always the woman. Mm-hmm. They will give up far too much because they're intimidated by the other spouse and and they won't speak up about this is what I need or this is what I want. Right. And sometimes, which I have a problem with, and I'll try to coach the person through it, they'll just say, well, whatever you think, you know, whatever you think, Christina. Well, no, it's not about what I think. I mean, I can tell you from a legal standpoint what I think and give you sort of a range of what you're entitled to, but don't don't dump that on me. You're the one who has to live with this. So when this is all done and I say, oh, well, this looks good. You know, let's just do this. You have to go live with that. Not me. I don't. So you need to make sure that you can live with this and that you're making, I always tell people, I always preach compromise. You have to compromise. But they have to be reasonable compromises. It doesn't mean give everything away. It means there are places you will have to compromise you. You're not going to get every single thing on your list that you want. And I know right. that you and I talked about that. So that's sort of my philosophy on that. And, but you guys did settle. What do you think, what what was it that finally happened? It was like the cosmos all just, you know, there was something in the universe where you guys finally were just like, okay, we're um,
1: done. Well, he did not have representation. Um, so he was just sitting there by himself. And as a matter of fact, I have to say that you did an extremely good job of being his friend because he was starting to act like you were his attorney.
0: <laughs> well, remember, it's a little dangerous sometimes when you're in that situation right. because
1: the conflict of interest. They
0: sort of, yes. you know, they think you're advising both of you, right? And you you can't, you're right? Not.
1: As a matter of fact, uh, just a few weeks ago, um, he was questioning me something over the equitable distribution in our marital settlement agreement that he had initialed, and you explained, and he was saying that you snuck that part in. I said, "Um, no, you were there. You read it. You read it. You initialed it. Go find your copy and read it again.
0: Yeah, well, that's another reason why I always tell people, I know you don't want to read this. I know Mm -hmm. I just gave you like a 50-page document and... Right, you just want to burn it because I've had to work with lawyers myself as a client, and they'll throw all this paper at me, and I'm just like, even as a lawyer, I'm just like, I don't want to. Do I have to read this? I know. <laughs> Does it say everything we talked about? Right. <laughs> then I trust you, but that really isn't a good way to well, be. Well, what happened
1: with with uh, my divorce was, I mean, we were at the end of the line. The court had had it with us. We how many? Well, what was that, number 10 intensive settlement conference? Who I knows? don't know,
0: but it was a long the time. The judge
1: said either you come to a settlement today or you're going to trial. So, Which I mean, they threaten all the time, but right. your
0: case was so old that they right. really meant it.
1: Right. So, I mean, it was kind of do-or-die
0: time. Do you think that if you had a trial date earlier, you would have settled earlier? Because the do-or-die time would have been sooner.
1: Yeah. You know what? I never thought of that. I never thought of that. I felt, I did feel like we just kept going in circles, constantly with the circles. We had the early settlement panel. Then we had a mediation. Then we had case management conferences. Another mediation, another case, man- case management conference. I mean, we were getting absolutely nowhere.
0: I firmly believe that if they just gave you trial dates sooner, which they used yeah. to do. Years ago, they did. Yeah. But I, I don't know exactly why that has changed. I think a lot of it is because the courts are just so over flooded with work that it's hard to juggle it all. But I I do believe that if they gave trial dates much sooner, mm-hmm. that people would just settle. Well, or I, they would have to do their trial either I, way.
1: I am um, in paralegal school right now, uh, paralegal studies program, and the family law teacher I had was talking to her about this exact topic, and she said that there are states that set a time limit. You know, so from the date of filing the complaint, you have one year to settle your divorce or it's dismissed and you have to start it over.
0: Oh, that's an interesting angle. I think it was Kansas or something. That would probably be effective. Yes. Although, you know what might happen? Or either go, it's dismissed or you could request a trial.
1: I I forget what she said exactly. Don't quote me Probably a trial. But it was something to that effect so you don't just have infinite time to do it
0: because what I think what would happen there is the person that doesn't want the divorce mm-hmm. they would just drag it on until a year and be like oh sorry it looks ah. like we gotta start all over again looks like we're still married right because right. you get that a lot of that too but we don't have much time left what advice would you give somebody having been through this? you're kind of a veteran now mm-hmm. you're only divorced though right no, please <laughs> <laughs>
1: You're not a veterinary for like really <laughs> half my life, you know. It's, you're <laughs> when only, was the
0: other. Divorce? You're only a veteran in the sense that you haven't done it a million times because we have uh, those. Well, who I do. also but, now work in the field as a
1: you know legal assistant. Okay. You know,
0: so you're a this. veteran in the sense that you've been through this enough that you, you kind of. I, I don't think there's anything like. that
1: my own divorce has not tackled put it that way
0: okay yeah no you did and I will say you did have you had a lot of curveballs your oh, divorce yeah. was not the typical garden variety divorce but what advice would you give other people looking back on everything that you went through decisions you made you know maybe some decisions could have been better made which which part
1: of you know before the divorce before you filed? I
0: would say th- as as far as the process I mean what Jumps out at you as in terms of maybe I shouldn't have done X, Y, or Z. Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I should have compromised a little earlier. Or maybe I should have.
1: Well, I'm going to say anybody that is thinking that they're going to be filing for divorce, first of all, don't talk about it with everybody. That's good advice. Don't play your hand. Don't because your spouse is gonna find out what your plan is. Um compile your financial documents. That's a big one. You know how much the other person makes because once it's filed, things disappear. I have said
0: that so many times, so thank you for it's pointing true. that out.
1: You know, this is a poker game now.
0: It is. It's a poker so, game, you which know, is really sad. It's don't go to your
1: sister-in-law and start talking about what a SOB your husband is. And you're going to get him for this, that, and the other thing because they, she's going to tell him. Yeah, she You will. know, so don't put things on social media. Don't, you know, just take a breath. Try to get your ducks in a row. Behave. Don't be out partying and making a fool of yourself and giving him ammunition to use against you.
0: Well that's particularly important if there's children and there's a exactly. custody issue.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Um you know just try to keep a level head if that's even possible.
0: Did you go to therapy? No. Oh do you think that maybe that would have helped
1: Um I don't think so for myself. Um I really you know going through cancer and chemo and everything else I look at life a lot differently now yes Yes. so things that I used to get so upset about I don't care anymore
0: they don't seem important
1: Um, I'm just grateful for everything I do have you know my kids are healthy and successful and through college and we have a head over our roof over our head excuse me I have a great job that I'm so happy about Um, what a blessing that was because I hadn't worked in two years two and a half years I think by the time cancer was all over so you know I I try not to stress out about things that I used to go berserk over and just hope for the best but prepare for the worst
0: yeah I think that's really sage advice Donna Thank thank you thank you Um, because actually I was going to, um, ask you to kind of share which you kind of already did. I think a lot of people, when they come into my office, they have a really hard time seeing that there's a light at the end of the tunnel that they see that my marriage is ending and I have all these money problems and all these worries and all these decisions to make and they don't know how it's going to turn out. And they're worried. What does this look like when it's over? You know, am I living under a bridge? Right. So... I know I always told you it will be better and we actually started out the show with that and, and you've just attested to all of that. So I really hope that that's something that people take away from this show is that whatever your situation is, you will get through it mm-hmm. and you will get through it just fine. It's not going to be easy. Well, with divorce, there's so, many,
1: there's so many unknowns and it's very scary, but you just have to have faith that things... Are- will work out. You will find a way to make things work out. You're not going to die. You know, you will find a way that that you can look back years later and say, oh, wow, I'm better for it.
0: Absolutely. And I tell people that, but I think it's really hard. I'm sure that I must have told you that. In the
1: moment, it's very hard to hear that because you can't think about anything except that he's doing
0: this and she's doing that. And she said this and he said that. Yeah. So So maybe, maybe you have a coaching future. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe you could be a divorce coach. Yeah. You know, I never thought of that. I think it would be great. I think I'm going to make you my new spokesperson. We'll have to talk about that when the show is done. (laughs) Okay. Um, But thank you for sharing that. And you're actually a family law paralegal now. Uh, Yes. So that you probably bring a lot to the table there. I do.
1: I speak with the clients. Um, and I understand where they're coming from. You can hear it in their voices. They're so upset. And just try to explain things to them. Uh, sometimes they just want to rant.
0: Yes, sometimes they do. And you have Get to let off them their do chest. That. I'm sure that you're able to be very compassionate with them. But you probably do understand a little bit more from my side. I do. Now. I yeah. do.
1: I do. Because you know, we have a client that constantly is calling, and then she's got got you on the phone for an hour I'll look and look at the call, caller ID and say oh gosh, I'm not
0: getting that well I don't do that anymore with you Donna so I'll thank say you. Oh, I'll, I'll call her later thank you so much for sharing this I thought oh, this was very an welcome. excellent interview and I appreciate it thank you so much and thank you for listening to divorce happy hour if you have any questions for me My phone number is 732-529-6937. And you can also find us at centraljerseyfamilylaw.com. Thank you and see you next week.